Today, I want to talk to you about equipping the saints. Equipping the saints. Now, if you've been in this thing a long time, open your ears to what the Holy Spirit wants to, t- wants to tell you this morning. It might be something you've never heard before. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would help us open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to hear what you have to say to us, to your people this morning. Equip the saints this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, gosh, today is my youngest birthday. Corbin, Corbin Paul Buckle. He turns eight years old today, January 26. And I can remember 2012, holding that little baby in my hands. And, you know, I have four kids, so I remember all of them, just the joy of having that little bundle, that little cute little thing in your hand, and I was in the hospital room, and, and, and it was gross, but, but beautiful gross, and I remember just being excited holding that baby and just going around and saying, you know, look, look what I made, you know, like a little kindergartner with a drawing, look what I, look, I made this, I mean, I had a little bit to do with it, but, you know, I, I'm so excited, and I'm showing off this baby to, to, to anyone that would walk by and, 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 Pay attention to me for two seconds. And then I leave the hospital with this baby. And I'm thinking to myself, I just bought a, a Nokia. This was old, 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 old. And they gave me a big old instruction manual for this phone. Where's the manual for this kid? They give you manuals for everything, and they don't give you a manual for a child. That was crazy. And then you get home, and then you have doctor's visits, and you have screaming babies, and I feel the tension from some of the, the, the young moms in the room, and, and, and the crying, and, and you have all this stuff that's going on, middle of the night, waking up, feedings, and I'm thinking, okay, that was fun. Now when will they start taking care of themselves, because this is getting old, right? And I really wasn't prepared that once they got older, they would have more needs, and they would need more food, and they would need more attention. And, and, the, and every time I'd go to get that snack out of the cabinet, I, I'm sorry, I'm just venting right now, and the, and the Oreos are going, and I'm like, come on, man! Sorry, that has nothing to do with the message. And the cries suddenly turn to cute little words, dad, dad, mama. It's so cute. Until it turns into the one universal word that all little kids say. Mine! 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 And then you're like, no, dad, dad, mama, come on, come on. go back. That's a fun sound. I don't know whether I like cooing or that word better. But we quickly learn from an infant that they are cute for a little bit of time, but that they need help to grow up in fast. You know, a baby who whines and screams and disrupts, disrupts things and does anything just to get attention and is only cute for a little while, I'm just being honest, eventually it's just annoying. <laughs> it just becomes annoying. Okay, maybe I'm just being confession. And it gets on your nerves. And when they're screaming, Mom, you didn't put the peanut butter right on the sandwich. Or you didn't do this. Or they make a mess and they don't clean up after themselves. Or they, you know, whatever. You know, when they do those things, infants are not only immature, but they're not really in sync of what's happening around them with everyone else, right? 
They're just kind of in their own world, selfishly doing whatever they want. There's no unity. There's no maturity. And so Paul, this guy who writes this book that we just read, Ephesians, he's basically saying that when you are in Christ, when, you, when you're a follower of Jesus, this is not how you want to look. We got a picture. You don't want to look like that. That's what he's saying in a nutshell, if you're a visual learner like me. He's saying, don't be like that. He's saying, don't be like infants. Grow up. It's time to grow up. Say that with me. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. Now, you might be here this morning saying, this all kind of people come to church. There's people that have been in church all their life. People have never stepped foot in a church. People that were dragged into church by whoever regardless of your background, especially today where there's a lot of biblical illiteracy, I mean, a lot of people just don't, you know, you hear in Christ, what is that? What does in Christ mean? What, you know, does that mean I got to be a better person? Do I got to be more religious? Oh, I know what in Christ means. It means the touchdown worship. When I lift my hands really high, then I'm in Christ. If I'm sideways, I'm lukewarm. But boy, when I get up there, man, I'm in Christ. You know what I'm saying? Whew. Some of you are like, oh, gosh, man, I got to start lifting on Sunday. I got to start lifting, baby. <laughs> no, that has nothing to do. Well, maybe if I go to this church, you know, when I walk in, it's like, oh, you know, and I'm in Christ. If I do this, if I jump up and down, spit a bunch of religious wooden nickels. No, none of that. That is not what it means. That's the biggest misconception. Being in Christ simply means that your faith, your hope, your trust is in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, Christian means to be like Christ. So some people want to leave. And you can say God all you want. God bless you. God, 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 God. You say Jesus like, whoa. <laughs> what are you talking about, Willis? You know, it's like, don't say that name. You can say God all you want. But that's what being in Christ is all about. You can't take him out of that. And so if Paul is telling me not to be like an infant, then what does someone who is in Christ supposed to look like? I mean, in other words, I don't want to be the screaming baby of the church, Pastor, so please tell me what I need to do. Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you. See, according to this passage, there's two key components that, that we read in there. There's a lot going on in this scripture, but there's two key concepts working together. There's unity and maturity. Unity and maturity, they go hand in hand. These two things definitely go together. And there's a little chart that shows you the one cannot be without the other. An infant is immature and isn't in the flow of what is happening with everything else and everyone else around them. And so the unity we're talking about here is not like this complete intellectual agreement on all things. You know, is the chicken sandwich at, at Chick-fil-A or, or Popeye's better? I mean, it's not that kind of thing. Or, or, or we got to agree with, oh, the seats need to be this way. Or, or, or they, No, it says in there what the agreement is, the thing we should be focused on. And it's we're unified in our beliefs that there is one body, right? One spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. We're unified about Jesus and what he requires of us. We should be. That's where the unity should be. And so the second key concept is the maturity in Christ. Look again at verse 14 where Paul talks about no longer being infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there and by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Now, this can mean a lot of things. 
not just, oh, well, I, I got this false teacher. No, it's, it's so much more than that, even today. This is people who are always offended. I'm offended. I didn't say anything. <laughs> They're always offended or believing extra biblical stuff or some new age teaching that just came out on YouTube because we know YouTube is the scholastic expert of the planet. <laughs> I can do a YouTube video and tell you that, you know, whatever, and, and, and you believe it. We stamp that approval, YouTube, Wikipedia, all that stuff. And you know what else falls in this category? Church hopping. Well, I don't like the way he said that. I don't like the way she did that. I don't like the way she greeted me today. He spilled coffee on me. I'm going down the street. That's being tossed and blown and back and forth and wishy what. That is not grounded in Christ. Let me tell you something. A plant has to be grounded in a garden for it to grow. It can't keep getting uprooted. It's eventually going to die. It needs to position itself. And the word here for children in the Greek is nepios. It basically means absolutely, totally helpless. If you with young children, just try it out. Don't, don't really. <laughs> Leave your kid, you know, and go do something. See what happens. No, they need you. As a matter of fact, they need you to carry you every, well, you carry them everywhere. I'm getting older, so it might work the other way, but that's why my back hurts. Four kids carrying up and down everywhere you go. They need us. And so when we are born into the family of God, we are an infant at first. Everyone does. Everyone becomes an infant when they follow Jesus, and they're dependent on people to lead them and feed them and carry them. And I'm excited for those of you who are just beginning the journey in Christ to follow him, or you're searching this morning. I'm excited about that, and that's infancy. That's, that's real. But none of us want to stay in that infant stage. None of us should be there. We don't want to stay immature in our faith. We want to grow up in Christ. And you see, spiritual infants are those who never made it past that day, that moment, that experience of salvation when they first became a follower of Jesus. And they're helpless and unstable and for, for a variety of ways. They're going back and forth and wishy-washy in their faith. They've never fully been grounded. So, so are you ready for the solution for this infant problem that we're talking about? Because it's right in there. And we've probably read it a hundred times, this lack of unity, immaturity. God has given us, the church, the answer. He's given us the five-fold ministry for the purpose of helping believers in this growth process. So Christ himself gave, in that scripture again, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to Equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith, there it is, in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So if we need unity and maturity, here's the answer. And these five roles of leadership utilized in the church, and I'm not going to define every single one because that's not what we're talking about this morning, those five gifts. We're talking about the purpose of the five gifts, what they're called to do, and that is to prepare who? God's people, you, for works of service. And as a result, 
the church, which is made up of people, will grow in multiple levels. You'll grow, your family, the church, if we follow this model. So if you aren't an apostle, prophet, evangelist, preacher, pastor, or teacher, then you are the people who need to be equipped. And that doesn't mean you aren't important. As a matter of fact, it means that you are the key. You are the answer. You are the key to what God wants to do here. And the problem, the issue that I was talking about for years is that so many people want to show up and watch the pros do all the work, seal the deal. I don't have to share my faith. I just got to bring them to church and let the pros do it. No, 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 no. That's not what's happening here. And actually, a lot of this stems far back in history. And this is where most people get surprised about how the church is really supposed to operate. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, way back when God was establishing what's called his kingdom, when he was coming to earth to start building his kingdom, he chose the third-born son of a guy named Israel, whose name was Levi, and uh, all of his descendants became known as the Levites. And he said, out of all these people, out of all my people, I'm going to use this group to be the priest. And basically what that meant were they were the only ones that could do the, the work of the ministry, so to speak. So you were only able to do this work if you had this name, this title, this position, only a certain few. And then later on in life, hundreds of years later, Jesus busts up on the scene and he, mixes, he messes all that up. He says, oh, no, no, no. That was the old system. He didn't come in here with this big, long, flowing robe and, and, and the tassel, and he didn't have his parking space outside and his special chair and his, you know, ca someone carried his robe. None of that. None of that stuff. And what's interesting is those religious leaders, they didn't care for him too much. They didn't care for Jesus too much when he comes on the scene trying to take their power away from them. But you know who cared for Jesus? You know who liked him a lot? The common people. They really thought, this guy's great. He's one of us. Man, he's telling me I can do greater things than he's doing. And he looked at these common people, looked at them, and he said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. I'm going to use you, yes, you, even you, and you and you, to change this world. It's not reserved for the pro, for the special people, for the priests, for the pastors. For the, it is the work I want to do in and through every one of you. That's what Jesus said. And then he backs it up on this day in the Bible called Pentecost, where he pours out his spirit and he gives them power. He gives them, amps them up to be able to do all these things. And so now the people have all these gifts. And, and now they, you don't have to go, when you hear about, oh, revival over in Alabama, you don't have to chase signs and wonders. Now he's saying signs and wonders are going to chase you when you believe, when you get this, when you common folk understand that it's all about you and what you're going to do in this world and in this kingdom. That's what he's saying. Isn't that amazing? It's not, you don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to get a degree. It's for you, and it's for us to equip. And so they realize that it's not just about a select few of people that God chose anymore. It's for everyone. And then guess what happened? Guess what happened? Right after the Bible days, the people went right back to the old system. 
right back to the old way. And a matter of fact, the apostles tried to correct this problem. And here we are today, hundreds, hundreds of years later, and nothing has changed. We are stuck in that same old system. That's what I was telling you, the issue. I love the church, but that's our greatest issue, where we're stuck in the same old system that, guess what, doesn't work. It's not working. It never will work. Feed my sheep is not come in here and get some food and leave unchanged and do nothing. That doesn't work. That doesn't help you. doesn't help me. doesn't help the church. doesn't help the kingdom. We are doing ministry completely backwards from what the Bible says and how it should be done. Here's the point. The Bible says that God has called the ministers to lead. And he's called the people to minister. That's what the Bible says right here. And if we do this right, the best ministry is going to happen through you. Not through me, not through the staff, the elders, or anyone else. Through you, God's people. When, when we as leaders do all the work for you, we rob you of the blessings and the joy that comes through serving. You miss it. And when we leaders don't equip you, we all lose. I'm going to tell you, my son, Kathan, wants to help me load the dishwasher. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm the, uh, um, the all-time dish lo- world, world dishwasher loading champion. Five years in a row, by the way. I don't like to brag about it, uh, but it's, it's, a, it's an honor that I get. And when my son comes to help me, I'm like, okay, I'm an Enneagram 1, 2, so that's another problem. And I'm looking like, are you kidding me? No, no, no. You're not doing it right. Shoot, go make a mess somewhere else so I can come clean it up behind you. That's terrible. That's horrible. I'm, I'm confession, okay? Because in doing this, I'm setting him up for failure by not equipping him. Same thing in the church. When the leaders do all the work and don't equip the saints, we're setting you up for failure and for disappointment and disillusionment. And you lose, the church loses, the community church. It's a lose, lose, lose situation all the way around. And I believe we have to retrain our ears. we got to start thinking differently. We need to stop hearing, the, you know, hey, will you serve? Will you work? And, oh, gosh, i got to do this. No, you get to do this, and you get blessed by doing it. And you become a blessing to other people. And, and, you know, your life, you were created, it says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's why we were created, which God prepared in advance for us to do the work. We are equipped to do, blesses us, doesn't burden us. The enemy lies. The greatest joy is when we get this and when we're all operating as one body. You know, if you're thinking, man, my life is just less, purpose less, meaning less, joy less, it's because you're not operating in the way God created you, the way he crafted you. You were born with a reason. Don't ever let anyone tell you otherwise. Don't let the enemy lie. Your, your, your friends that are negative, your, maybe even a family man says you're, you're not enough. Let me tell you something. God says you're more than enough. I created you for a purpose. 
I created you with something in mind. I had something that I needed fulfilled and I had to create you to make it happen. You are part of God's global plan. Are you getting that? He needs every one of us. He needs the whole body of Christ and this principle, this body of Christ he's talking about. He's the head. We're the body. Imagine if the heart was good and, you know, doing well, but the liver started malfunctioning. That does no good to have a good heart. If the liver's failing, it, it hurts everything. And, you know, sometimes I feel that, you know, we think, oh, well, you know, I just need to be a good, uh, you know, I need, to, um, I need to do this. And we try to be hearts when we should be livers. Or, or we say, we need, to, we need to plant an apple garden and we need to produce, produce apples. And you say, look, I got an orange. Look what I did. And we're like, no. You're not allowing yourself to be equipped to do the work. Sometimes we're just amazing at the wrong things and we lose focus and we've got to get back to allowing ourselves to be equipped properly. And let me be clear, we're not equipping you to feed the machine, this organization. We're equipping you to be successful in your life and in this community and so that your children and those following you have the biblical, the right example to follow. You know, an unequipped army is a defeated one. It is. Football team need all the players doing their parts. You know, any, any machine needs all the players. That's what it means for the body of Christ. And here's the kicker. When you are equipped to serve, everything you do is an opportunity for you to grow and get out of this lukewarm, mediocre life that you're sometimes living. You know, Jesus wants you to be mature, not be infants, not just for you, but for others. Because here's the point. Here's the main point. You've got to grow so that others will know. You've got to grow to help others know what you now know. Equipping matures you so that you can help others. Amen? There are many, many ways that you can be equipped for service. So many things you can do. But I want to end this morning by just quickly sharing a few things that I believe an equipped church looks like. And you're going to hear this word a million times. You've probably heard it already, and you're going to be sick of hearing it, but it's biblical and it's true, and it is small groups. And I, I, I'm telling you, you want to be equipped, you want to be trained, you want to do the work. Jesus had a small group with 12. Only one messed up, so he did pretty good. If you can get 50%, you're good. Join a small group, but I'm going to challenge you this. Be prepared to lead one. Find someone young in the faith in church and begin to mentor them. If you see someone young in the faith, mentor them. Don't wait for a program or, or an event. Mentor them. Volunteer in the church community. Find ways to serve. You know, it's about relationship and discipling people. Pouring coffee is not about coffee. It's about connecting and building people. Otherwise, we're just another coffee spot. Be a bringer. When you invite and bring someone to church, you are funneling them into this whole equipping process. That's what it's about. It's not about feeding the machine. Oh, we got to have a big church, lots of people. For what? For what? Serve and be a servant, not just at church, but at home and school and work. When you're serving and loving others, that's where true joy is found. I've never heard a person in my life say that served or volunteered and said, well, that was the biggest waste of time. No, there's joy, and the enemy wants to keep us 
watching Netflix or looking at our phone and we're, and we're miserable with those things. God wants to bring that joy back and finally share your faith. And this is where people say, oh gosh, I, I was hoping he wouldn't put this on the list. Anything but evangelism. Let me tell you something. I have never met someone at a hospital when a baby was born that just sat there and went, well, this day stinks. Bam, I got to see a child come out of another human's body. I mean, how boring is that? Are you kidding me? That's the greatest joy in the world to see new birth, to see a new life. And the, the enemy knows that, and he wants us to stop sharing our faith because he knows that it produces joy and it gets you excited and it makes you want to do it over and over and over again. Go hang out with the Chi Alpha crew on campus if you want to get that excitement back. They're sharing their faith all week long. Come on, people. Where's our joy? Where's our passion? Where's our purpose? Older people, we need you to infuse that passion back into the younger people to know what it means to weep and cry for the lost. Come on. Where's your, where's your passion? Where's your joy? God can give it to you if you allow yourself and position yourself to be equipped. Christianity was never meant for anything else than to you to be equipped to be part of the whole body of Christ and to bring people in that by your good works. If you stand with me this morning, I know this is one of our core values but it's his purpose for us. And if we don't find his purpose, if we don't do what he equipped us to do, we are going to live a dissatisfied life. And so as we close this morning, the most important thing that you can do right now is look in your heart and ask yourself this one question, am I in Christ? Christ.